This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. And a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon, coming to you live here from our studios of Chai FM um, 101.9, Chai FM on Judaism 101.9. It has just gone 10 past 2, 2.10 on this beautiful, beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in the Highfield. And of course, school holidays, I'm sure everybody's out and about and doing their thing, um, having a good time. Um, it's amazing when you drive in here that the streets are quiet. Um, no traffic from kids on the road on their way to and from school. <coughs> um, no traffic around of people um, who are in town or are not in town. Uh, sometimes people um, don't want to admit that they're here. They want to, uh, people to think that they're away. Wonderful idea because there's probably no better place to be than to stay home. And to be in this beautiful, beautiful weather here in Johannesburg um, on such a glorious, wonderful day. So um, on our slot today of Judaism 101.9, we're going to be dealing with a few upcoming dates, as we know. Um, We very often do that, uh, talk about special dates in the Jewish calendar that are going to be occurring. Now, you may or may not have these on your calendar, but um, let me share some of them with you. First of all, in the first segment, we're going to be talking about the uh, events that happen on the 12th and the 13th of Nisan. Now, being that today is the 11th, we're talking about tonight, tomorrow, tomorrow night, and the next day. Yes, Thursday and Friday is the 12th and the 13th of Tammuz here in uh, Joburg, as well as everywhere else in the world. 12th and 13th of Tammuz. Um, and of course, today being in the 11th of Tammuz, we have those dates coming up uh, right after this one. In the next part, uh, we'll talk about events and happenings and dates that are coming up in the early part of next week. Of course, we speak to you on a Wednesday afternoon, and therefore next week, Tuesday, there is a special date as well. It is known as the 17th of Tammuz, and in effect, in fact, um, there's kind of a complete, complete turnaround and difference, a real juxtaposition when we think about the 12th and 13th of Tammuz as opposed to the 17th of Tammuz, which is coming up um, early next week. And so um, in the second segment, uh, that is what we will address, talking about that date, the 17th of Tammuz, what it represents and what it heralds, what actually happens from there on in. Let's first reflect, though, on special events and special times and special um, celebrations of events gone by that occurred on these dates, on the dates of tonight, tomorrow, the next day, um, talking about the 12th and the 13th of Tammuz. Now, it's not necessarily that well known it may not occur on every calendar but they are powerful powerful dates and as i've mentioned many times before torah halacha and jewish tradition good jewish practice has it that dates that recur occur um in embedded in a certain kind of a tone and a certain kind of an atmosphere when we have a history of them being sad dates, it seems to be that they keep on recurring, as we will, of course, see in the latter part when we talk about the 17th of Tammuz. But here we have dates that keep on recurring that have a very, very positive, a very good connotation. Well, if we were to go back, and it's, of course, in much more recent history, if we were to go back to 1880, 
that is in the year 5640 of the Jewish calendar. And uh, we think about what happened on that date. Well, a very, very great man, a very great Jewish leader called Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, was born. He was born on the 12th of Tammuz in the year 1880 in 5640. So that is tonight, tomorrow, birthday of Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson. Now, quite amazingly, and we have addressed it before, the concept of a Jewish birthday, the idea of a birthday per se, is something that uh, perhaps if we would only understand it a little bit better, um, it would uh, perhaps play a much bigger role in our lives. It has often been something that has bothered me, troubled me, or surprised me perhaps, and maybe it does you too, that uh, when it comes to Jewish dates, and particularly dates in our lives, that uh, somehow we seem to be a little confused, if you don't mind me saying so. A little confused in that when it comes to birthdays, the majority of us will commemorate, will celebrate a birthday on what we would call a secular date, on a date in January, February, March, April, May, June, or July, and so on. That is the date on which we would celebrate a birthday. There's hardly a Jew in the world, however, who commemorates a Yorzeit on a secular date. There, we go to the trouble of checking out the importance, the meaning, and, in fact, the power that is um, vested in a Jewish date. A Jewish calendar date is something that is of paramount importance, of course, we understand, when it comes to a Yorzeit. Now, why is that? Well, perhaps it is because we are thinking of uh, something much more spiritual when it comes to the concept of a Yorzeit. We know that that's a time that we commemorate a soul. That is a time that we're thinking about um, a birth into the next world. That is a time that we're thinking about um, St. Kaddish, commemorating something that we understand to be spiritual. Well, perhaps how much more so, or perhaps in an equal way, we should be thinking about Jewish dates in terms of the way that they impact and they should be celebrated when it comes to our birthdays, of course, the day on which the Almighty deemed that you should come into this world, that your soul should be coupled with your body and should be born, surely that has a powerful spiritual impact as well. But somehow we've kind of adjusted our sights to thinking of the fact that as we come into this world, it's all about the physical. It's all about the material. And nothing could really be further, further from the truth than that. It is really and truly and should be all about the spiritual, all about the neshama, about the soul, about the impact that the soul has on the material, about the impact that you can have on this material, on this physical world. And surely we should be celebrating, commemorating and looking at Jewish dates rather than those non-Jewish dates, which after all have their foundation in the church, they have their foundation in secular um, society and certainly don't have that much to do with the way that we are instructed to run our calendar, to have our calendar running according to Jewish symbols and Jewish systems and um, based on the moon coupled with, of course, the sun and its impact on the seasons, etc. This is the way that Jews are supposed to live and we're supposed to focus on these important dates. Now, if we think then of this important date and how it recurs, perhaps we have an inkling as to how it is impactful and how important it was and it is in um, our lives and in the life, of course, of the person about whom this date is 
um, all about. We, we talk about the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Schneerson, who was born tonight, who was born on tomorrow's date, which is, of course, the 12th of Tammuz. Because it was actually on that day in 1927, so born in 1880, this was in 1927, in 5687, that the Rebbe received the good tidings that he was to be freed from the exile that was imposed upon him after his arrest and imprisonment for his efforts in strengthening Torah and Judaism. Now we've got to remember that uh, we're talking about 1927, in Russia, we're talking about communism. We're talking about um, all sorts of pressures that were brought to bear on Jews and particularly on Jewish leadership. And then even more particularly on the Hasidic Jewish leadership and then even more particularly on the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was seen as not only a doyen and a leader of um, things that were I suppose they would have called them counter-revolutionary because they were talking about the revolution of um, a, the communists in 1917. And counter-revolutionary was practices that they deemed to be uh, going against what the state then and communism and uh, their terrible persecutions were actually all about. It's an amazing thing if we think about what happened in uh, those times and in th those places. Uh, the Jews seemed to always be on the wrong side of uh, the story, whether they were um, against the Tsar or they were against communism, up against it. Uh, they certainly were. And the uh, previous rabbi, Rabbi Schneerson, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, was imprisoned. Um, unfortunately, the majority of the people, the, the, those who put him behind bars and those who wanted to actually see him executed for his terrible, heinous crimes of teaching Judaism, of spreading and strengthening Torah and Judaism um, in uh, that part of the world, um, those uh, people, the majority of them, were Jewish themselves, certainly by birth, um, but they saw it as some kind of a special mission to try and track down, um, uh, rein in, and persecute um, the previous rabbi. He was imprisoned, and on this day, in 1927, he received the good tidings that he was to be freed from this exile that was imposed upon him after his arrest and imprisonment. Because he was imprisoned, he was actually sentenced to death. That was commuted then to life imprisonment. That was then commuted to exile. And eventually, on this day, he received the good tidings that he was to be released. We'll be back with you with more after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So we've been talking about the upcoming dates of the 12th and 13th of Tammuz and what they mean. Um, first of all, we've been discussing the 12th of Tammuz, which is the birthday, as we said, of the previous Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Schneerson in 1880. And then in 1927, in 5687, he received the good tidings that he was to be released from um, um, the exile that followed imprisonment and now um, we know that his imprisonment actually began at about 2.15 a.m. on Wednesday the 15th of Sivan in 5.687 which was June the 15th in 1927 and he remained in exile in a town called Kostroma until half past midday so 12.30 on Wednesday, the 13th of Tammuz in 5687, which happened to be the 13th of July in 1927. And um, the previous rabbi was then actually freed. So the information about his redemption was given to him on the 12th of Tammuz and his actual um, freedom when he walked out of that, <coughs> of that exile. 
and was then able to go back and practice um, and continue with the great work that he was doing to strengthen Judaism, spread Torah and uh, mitzvah performance and so on, um, happened on the 13th of Tammuz, which is commemorated actually and celebrated on Friday. So this coming week of Thursday and Friday celebrates these two great days. They are known in Hasidic terminology as being Chagei Geula. They are days of uh, festive days of redemption, redeeming days. They're special days. Hasidim uh, do not say Tachanun on those days. We don't say penitential prayers because there is the um, avid and firm, firm belief and understanding that these days are filled with the idea of redemption. So what kind of a propitious, auspicious and special time um, we're actually going into over the next couple of days. And of course, it is not something that is just for individuals. It is something that pervades actually all of Judaism, if we think about it, because a great leader of the caliber of Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Shnias and the previous rabbi, who was a general kind of an individual, a soul who dedicated himself entirely for the Jewish people and for the furtherance of Jewish education and thinking about how and where um, the Jewish people could have been or would have been were it not for his great efforts, both then as well as later on when he eventually came to America and set up the uh, worldwide Chabad Hasidic Lubavitch movement, um, where would Judaism have been had it not been for a man of that caliber? So, of course, his redemption, which didn't only mark his personal redemption from the imprisonment, but in fact, um, Hasidim celebrate the redemption of all of Hasidism, in fact, um, from uh, that um, exile, because um, it was something that the communists, that um, the uh, regime that we were under in that in in, in that day and age, tried to thwart, tried to stamp on, tried to stamp out, tried to get rid of, and here um, it was uh, a time of great redemption. Now, just to read to you something that is written in the Hayom Yom, diary composed by uh, the Rebbe in honor of um, all of the dates within the calendar, but particularly emphasizing these dates. It says, from a letter of the Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok, he said, during the forthcoming two days of liberation, the 12th and the 13th of Tammuz, Hasidim should fabreng, gather together um, in a way of brotherly love and uh, share ideas, Torah, and um, uh, warmth with each other for material and spiritual good and blessing, as instituted by our first father, the Alter Rebbe. May the memory of this holy Sari be a blessing for life in the hereafter. His soul rests in the hidden, exalted heights. May his merit protect us. And during this fabrengen, Hasidim should talk to one another in a spirit of brotherhood about strengthening fixed times for Torah study. I send them my blessing that God favor them in body and in spirit. And then from a letter of the Rebbe to mark the Festival of Liberation, it says, I send you a mimer, a Hasidic discourse, which is my participation with my beloved friends in Hasidim, wherever they reside, which is my way of being united with you in your Fabrengen for the purposes of strengthening the practices of Hasidus in fixing and observing periods for studying Hasidus and to be stimulated to pragmatically implement those studies. May our God and God of our fathers bless the whole community, then the households, their children and their grandchildren among all our brothers, the people of Israel, God grant them eternal life with all good things of soul and of flesh. So a very, very powerful um, um, letter um, to mark this very, very special occasion, the special dates of the 12th and the 13th of Tammuz, Yudbet Yudgimel Tammuz, which occur 
tonight and all the way through until Shabbat. Right after um, the weekend, we are actually going to enter a uh, very, very different kind of a period of time. We start to look at the coming time known as the three weeks, which will begin in earnest on Tuesday next week with the day that is that marks the beginning of that time. It's a period of time in Jewish tradition, Jewish law, that is known as Bein HaMetzarim, literally between the restrictions, between the kind of... Um, Spiritual goalposts, if you wish, with uh, within which there was there there is difficulty and restriction, and um, the outer um, or first um, advent of that time is the seventeenth of Tammuz, which will be next week on Tuesday. So, what is the seventeenth of Tammuz really all about? Well, it's known as Shiva Asar Tammuz, and it's the start of the three-week period of mourning for the destruction of Jerusalem and the two holy temples. But it actually commemorates five tragic events that occurred on this date. Well, there we go again. The idea of these dates kind of being embedded with um, a type of an atmosphere and the type of a spiritual makeup um, that um, really pervades every 17th of Tammuz as it does with every date. And here the 17th of Tammuz seems to be a day of sadness, of destruction, of uh, breaking, of breaking things down. So let's think about what five known tragic events occurred on this date um, over a whole long span of Jewish history. Number one is Moses broke the tablets when he saw the Jewish people worshipping the golden calf. Number two, we'll elaborate a little bit more on each one in a moment. It says during the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem, the Jews were forced to cease offering the daily sacrifices due to a lack of sheep for those offerings. Number three was a posthumous burned the Holy Torah. Number four, an idol was placed in the Holy Temple. And number five, the walls of Jerusalem were breached by the Romans in 69 of the Common Era after a lengthy siege. And it was three weeks later after the Jews had put up a valiant struggle that the Romans destroyed the second Holy Temple on Tisha B'Av, on the 9th of Av. And the Jerusalem Talmud maintains that this is also the date when the Babylonians breached the walls of Jerusalem on their way to destroying the first temple. So we've got there five different events. Number one, the breaking of the tablets. Number two, the um, um, the fact that during the Babylonian siege, first siege of Jerusalem, that uh, the Jews um, were forced to cease offering sacrifices. Number three, a posthumous burnt the Holy, Holy Torah. Number four, an idol was placed in the Holy Temple. And then number five, the breaching of the walls of uh, Jerusalem by the Romans is a definite. And the Jerusalem Talmud believes that it was actually also the date on which the Babylonians breached the walls of Jerusalem on the way to destroying the first temple. Practically speaking, uh, before we get into each one of these different events, practically speaking, um, Tuesday then is a fast day. It's a day on which we abstain from eating and drinking, but it is not a 24-hour fast. Those are only reserved for two days in the Jewish calendar, and that is Tisha B'Av, the 9th of Av, and of course Yom Kippur. Here we have a daytime fast, so it's from uh, before dawn and until after nightfall. You need to check on the exact times um, within the place that you are, whether you're here in Joburg or elsewhere in the world, um, on that particular day. 
but um, be that as it may, it is a fast day on Tuesday. Um, we need to check with a rabbi, your own uh, Orthodox rabbi or the Beth Din and so on, if um, there are any exemptions, such as uh, pregnant or nursing mothers and so on, need to check about whether they need to um, uh, fast properly on this particular day. Um, if a person is ill, they should also consult. It is permitted to wake up early in the morning um, to have a meal uh, before the fast actually comes in, um, but one has to have had that in mind before you go to sleep the night before. And during the morning prayers on Tuesday, we say slichot, we say penitential prayers, which you find in the back of your siddur, as well as the long avino malkenu that is said both in the morning as well as in the afternoon. Torah reading takes place on Tuesday, which is a little bit unusual because it's usually only on a Monday and Thursday, Monday and Thursday, except, of course, for a shodesh and a fast day. And this is a fast day, and so we do do a Torah reading um, on um, both m- morning and afternoon of Tuesday. Um, <coughs> and we add in an extra prayer into the Amida called Anenu, where we are praying and mentioning the fast. And then, of course, um, if the 17th of Tammuz were to occur on a Shabbat, it would actually be postponed until the Sunday. But, of course, that doesn't apply to now. So let's take a look at, if we can, some of the things that happened on this date and why and how and uh, what they really all are, are all about and how we see some kind of a link. Well, perhaps this was embedded in the national Jewish psyche and in our uh, collective spirituality from the very first event that did occur on this particular day. And that was the fact that it was on this day that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moses came down the mountain, observed the people worshipping the golden calf and uh, cast the tablets of stone down to the earth and they smashed they broke. And of course, what a calamitous beginning to the 17th of Tammuz that actually was. Well, it is quite a simple calculation, actually, as to how we understand that this was the 17th of Tammuz. It was because we know that the Torah was given to us on the 6th of uh, the month of uh, Sivan, if we are to take 40 days later, because we know Moshe, Moses, went up the mountain on the 7th then of uh, Sivan. He went up the mountain. And was up on Mount Sinai, as we know from the Torah, for 40 days and 40 nights. And he came back down on uh, at, the, at the termination of those 40 days. And that would have then made it the 17th of Tammuz. Now, he came back down because there was rumblings in the camp. The people had felt, had thought that Moshe had let them down. He had lied to them. He had told them a non-truth. He had gone up the mountain. He had promised to be back. He hadn't returned on what they calculated to be the appointed day. And um, they said, we do not know Mehayal, or we don't know what happened to him. Um, We need to do something to be able to communicate with God properly. And their initial idea was to utilize something that they thought would be a means of communication to God to make a golden calf, unfortunately, on the next day, which was the morning of the 17th of Tammuz, they began, many began to actually worship it, saying, this is our God that took us out of Egypt. And, of course, we have there what we know as the Chet of Ha'egel Hazahav, the Chet, the sin of the golden calf, um, an absolute, absolute uh, desecration, something absolutely um, terrible and heinous and adulterous and all of that, all in one, um, that the Jewish people had actually carried out against 
God who had taken us out of Egypt, who had split the Red Sea, who had given us the Torah. We'd seen all of those miracles. It was astounding. And yet it happened and happened on the 17th of Tammuz. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses coming down the mountain, observing his people doing that. Actually, we're told, didn't want to um, uh, incriminate them anymore and uh, didn't want them to receive the Torah in that state where they would then perhaps be responsible for having the law. Um, And so he defied God in a way. He defied um, everything by allowing those tablets to fall to the ground, making sure that the Jewish people did not yet receive the Torah and therefore would not be held responsible for their desecration. And on that day, the tablets were smashed, the tablets were broken, the Torah was actually delayed in its um, real uh, contractual application upon the Jewish people. And Moshe Rabbeinu, um, Moses, had the opportunity then to atone on behalf of the Jewish people, allow us to receive uh, the tablets afresh and in a much better state of mind, having done tshuva, having repented, and so on. But this all occurred on the 17th of Tammuz, which means on Tuesday, we are 40 days exactly after Shavuot, and then we have two periods of 40 days until we reach Yom Kippur, that day on which uh, the Torah was, uh, or the tablets were brought down, given to us forever, and those were the ones that lasted. So a period from the 17th of Tammuz until Yom Kippur is 80 days or 70 days until Rosh Hashanah. Yes, uh, time marches on within the year and uh, getting there rather quickly. But defining the date, day of destruction, day of um, a need for repentance, day of a need for us to turn things around, that's actually what the 17th of Tammuz is all about. Be back with you after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. As of course, we want Mashiach to come and redeem us. There by the Miami Boys Choir. And going on talking about the date of the 17th of Tammuz, the advent of the three weeks that begin, as we said, on Tuesday, um, we um, then, or rather I'd like to just focus a little bit on some of the other events, some of the other things that occurred that we mentioned before um, on the 17th of Tammuz. Now, it was at the time of the destruction of the first base, Amigdash, the first temple, that the walls of Jerusalem were, according to most, actually breached on the 9th of Tammuz. That's a few days ago. And the enemy stormed the city, the Babylonians, and they spread destruction wherever they went. They were, however, unable at that stage to enter the sanctuary where the Kohanim fortified themselves and continued with the performance of the divine service until the 7th of Av. With the enemy's entry into the city, however, there was a shortage of sheep for the daily sacrifice, which actually began from the 13th of Tammuz. Um, until that day, so the 13th, of course, is this Friday. Until that day, there were sufficient animals. Um, as it had been the practice to have a four-day supply on hand, and therefore on the sev- on the seventeenth of Tammuz, that supply ran out, and they no longer had any sheep to be able to be offered up in the temple, and so the um, end of the uh, offerings of sheep of animals in the temple actually was on the seventeenth of Tammuz, um, in the time of the destruction of the first temple. 
Now, it was also on the 17th of Tammuz during the period of the second Beisamigdus, the second temple, that Titus, Titus, and his legions, the Romans, uh, broke into the city of Jerusalem. At the time of the destruction of the first temple during the reign of Tzitkiyahu, the verse states, in the fourth month on the ninth of the month, the famine became strong in the city. There was no bread for the people, and the city was breached, and all the warriors fled and, and left the city at night. The Talmud Yerushalmi records that during the period of the first Beisamigdus, the city was also breached on the 17th of Tammuz, as we mentioned before. However, as a result of the great calamities that occurred then, the records became confused and the people thought that the walls had been breached on the 9th. This is according to um, most of our um, um, commentators of our historians. Although God knew, as did his prophet, that the breaching actually occurred on the 17th, he wrote through his prophet, Jeremiah, that it was on the 9th of the month, as the people believed, indicating that he was together with them in their grief, and therefore even his calculations had become confused, as it were, a notion which the mouth is incapable of speaking and the ear of hearing. Tosfus explains that because the people were distraught, they made a mistake in their calculation as to when the walls of the city were breached, and Scripture did not want to change that which they thought. We will continue right off to this with um, the last couple of details about the 17th of Thomas. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. There is a very strange um, occurrence that is mentioned about having happened on the 17th of Tammuz, and that is a person by the name of Apostomus burned the Torah. Now, this event, we're told, is mentioned in the Mishnah, in the uh, Mishnah in Tainis, but almost no details are provided in those primary sources. The Talmud Yerushalmi notes only where did he, Apostomus, burn it? And Rabbi Acha said, at the crossroads of Lud, of Lod. The rabbi said, at the crossroads of Talusa. Later commentators conjecture that this transpired during the period of the Roman procurator, Camanus, some 16 years before the Great Revolt against Roman rule. At that time, the Roman military forces engaged in a very harsh provocation against the Jews and all that they held holy, um, causing uh, great disturbances. And it is Josephus who writes that after this calamity, in which 10,000 men were slaughtered on the Temple Mount during a riot which the Romans provoked, new unrest began in the aftermath of a robbery. On the royal road near Beit Choron, robbers attacked the cortege of Stephanus, a royal official, and thoroughly plundered it. Camanus dispatched an armed force to the nearby villages, ordering his soldiers to arrest the inhabitants and bring them before him. He saw them as being culpable for what had happened, for they had failed to pursue the thieves to try to apprehend them. One of the soldiers seized a Torah scroll in one of the villages. He tore it and set it afire. From every corner, Jews were seized with trembling. It was as if the entire country had been set ablaze. Upon hearing the first reports, they gathered in the spirit of great zeal for that which, which they held holy, and like arrows shot from a bow, hurried to Caesarea to appeal to Commanus that, that, that he not save from retribution the man who had so greatly blasphemed their God and their Torah. The procurator understood that the people would not easily be placated and he therefore ordered that the guilty soldier be brought before him and hung on the gallows in front of his Jewish accusers. The Jews then returned to their cities. 
Now, Beit Choron is located on the road from Lud to Jerusalem. Uh, Lud, of course, being in, in the area where Ben-Gurion Airport is. And this corresponds with the account in the Talmud Yerushalmi, which states that the incident of a posthumous took place on the crossroads of Lud. If these two accounts refer to the same incident, it would seem that it transpired some years before the destruction of the second Beit HaMignosh, or the second temple, and that the name Stephanus and Apostomus are actually one and the same person. Some scholars maintain that the incident of Apostomus actually took place during the conquest of the Greeks under Antiochus Epiphanes, and the Mishnah, Tainus, records that an idol was placed inside the sanctuary on the 17th of Tammuz, and many hold that this too was done by that same person, Apostomus the Wicked. Well, that is a bit of a summary of uh, 17th of Tammuz coming up next Tuesday. Um, I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. Remember, as we go into the 17th of Tammuz, we also enter into a period of time called the three weeks, during which there may be no um, public uh, entertainment, simchas and so on, a period of mourning from the 17th of Tammuz through to Tisha B'Av. So I want to wish you a great week up ahead, rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. And uh, please, God, a joyous Yud Beit and Yud Gim. Tammuz before Shabbat and then of course um, a a good fast which will be taking place on Tuesday um, leading into the three weeks take care, we'll see you again please God next week